0: It's time to write a news story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. Understanding your
1: worth is part of any growth journey. It's actually essential to all areas of our lives, relationships, businesses, etc. But knowing your worth and demanding your worth are two different things. Today's conversation is with interior designer, Lisa Gilmore. Now, Lisa has accomplished a lot in her life. She's built a multi-million dollar business from the ground up. She shattered ceilings. And despite her entrepreneurial aspirations, creative spirits, and giving ways, there was actually a time that Lisa found herself broke, penniless, abroad, and in debt. That's when she knew that there needed to be a change. And like so many other solopreneurs and entrepreneurs and creative professionals, Lisa had put her worth aside allowing other people to determine the value of her work and take advantage of her time. But finding herself at rock bottom is what gave her new perspective. And now she not only knows her worth, but knows that she'll never settle for anything less than she deserves. So Lisa, thank you for coming on to success stories today to share your story. We're so excited to have you here. Yes. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Of course. Now I want to tell everybody a little bit more about what you do. So I'll let you do that. But I also want to talk a little bit about when you hit rock bottom because you <laughs> happened to be in South Africa and that was kind of a changing point in your life. So can you tell everybody about where you were with your nice lucrative business and how that led you to that pivotal moment? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, um, my business uh, this December is going to be 10 years old, which is super exciting and super scary. And also like, how, wait, what, how did, how did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I, um, thankfully, um, you know, interior design is just, it's my passion. It's my, I, I truly feel like it's like ingrained in my DNA. It's something that Just comes very naturally for me, and I never really saw myself doing anything else. And so, when I graduated high school, I went straight into design school and I went full force. You know, I almost feel like I kind of cheated my early years in my 20s when like all my friends were like doing fraternities and sororities and things like that. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm hand drafting learning about HVAC codes. Uh, so I feel like I, I cheated myself a little bit on the college experience sadly. Um, but I went full force into it because that's just my personality. I'm a, I jump in and I figure it out afterwards. And that definitely came to bite me, uh, you know, about 12 years later, uh, fast forward to South Africa. And so fortunately, um, I, like I said, when I started my business, I was 25 years old and I was very hungry and it came from, it's funny because I actually just had this realization that I, this whole time I thought I was, um, I created my business because I couldn't find like a perfect design home here. because I was in Chicago for a little bit and then I came to Florida and everyone was still kind of like in the gray, white, blue coastal movement. And I was like, wait, I want to do hot pink walls and stuff like that. And so... I created my business because I couldn't really find a home. But I realized the other day, I actually created a business because I was embarrassed and that I didn't fit in anywhere. So I made my own spot to fit in. And that was a really weird aha moment that I honestly had like last month. Um, so anyways, fast forward, my business started on passion. It took off exceptionally fast um, and very, very well, which was was great. Um, but I didn't have the business side of it. I had the artistic passion. I had the design acumen. I had... The mentors, I had all these things, but I didn't have business skills and I was like just drowning, quite frankly, and trying to, you know, be creative, create a brand, create a name for myself, get people to, you know, sign up to let me do those pink walls and black walls and all those things. But then the business side really fell to the, to the back burner and almost off, off the earth, quite frankly. Um, and I was in South Africa and it just all, caught up to me in a very extreme detrimental financial way. And I, I had to wake up and I, if I wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't be hot community. My business would not be here. I wouldn't have a team and I would have just, you know, self-sabotaged. So what happened in South Africa? Um, so (laughs) I was, In South Africa, I went, so I was freshly out of a divorce. I was getting divorced and I went with a friend, um, my cousin. And, um, you know, like it was a time when I was just like, oh, I'm independent. I'm creative. I, all these things, I like had all the right things in my head to move forward and be strong. But I quickly realized that while, yes, I was an independent woman and yes, I was a creative force that, you know, was so strong. I was not an ind- financially independent woman, and that was a very, very hard thing to swallow. Whenever I was realizing it as it was happening, and so, for instance, you know, I I, I say I was like I was like always chasing the next sofa sale, um, if you will, and so I was just like always like chasing, trying to like sell more, do more, and really what it came down to was that I I wasn't operating my business from a financial standpoint and understanding. You know margins properly. I wasn't understanding that true cost of doing business and all these things. And I had this one bank account that everything went into. And I quite frankly, because I, again, like I just, I didn't have the training and I was so in, in the thick of it that I didn't have the time to really understand the bookkeeping and all that stuff. And so I just kept ignoring it. And I would just kept sliding by. And so when I was in Africa, um, I had a client who had a refund for a sofa um, of about like $14,000. Long story short, it was thankfully nothing that we had done wrong. It was all manufacturer issues, but they held the check for like three months. And then I had another client who placed a very large order and it bounced. And I already ordered the product off of that. So I was out then. Um, And then I had, you know, payroll and all these things. So I was in South Africa and I literally, was like negative. I went from like, you know, zeros with commas in my bank account to negative $1200 and I was like, how did this happen? I'm literally on the other side of the world and I had to call my mom to pay my personal rent, which was crazy and unnecessary and so embarrassing. Um but that rock bottom is really the best thing that ever truly happened in my life because I woke up and I was like, okay, this is not the life I want to live. I have to get my head out of the sand, and I have to pay attention to these finances, and I have to hire people that can help me because this is obviously something that I struggle with. And I had to get over myself and be vulnerable, and you know, go further. And thankfully, you know, I, I was able to do that, and I took my business from eight hundred twenty-five thousand in revenue to two point two five million in a year. Oh wow! Yeah, it was pretty wow, phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. No,
1: that, you know, that's amazing. And I hear you saying like, oh, I'm just not, or I wasn't a business-minded person, or I'm not a business-minded person. I'm not good with money. I'm not good with finances. And I think like sometimes it takes, um, you know, events like that to make us realize, well, it doesn't matter if we're good at it now. We've got to get good at Absolutely. it. You know, we don't really have a choice. And I think that imposter syndrome sometimes like plays a role in that. like. Yes. I'm never going to be good at business, you know, so I might as well just be the creative here and it'll take care of itself. It's not going to take care of itself. You have to take care of it or you have to hire somebody to take care of it. Right. So do you think that that level of like imposter syndrome kept you from learning in the first place? And how did you get over that if it did?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And it's weird because like, I feel like I almost had, two, it's almost like I had two brains. So I had the imposter syndom- syndrome brain. Absolutely. But then I had the other side that I was like, Oh, but I'm, I'm so good at design and I'm so amazing. And this is like what I love. There's no other way for this not to work. So it's, it's just going to work. It's just going to work. And so I was like battling with myself through that. And then from, you know, in my opinion, Uh, not to say all business, you know, obviously all industries are tough for business ownership. Mm -hmm. However, I do feel whenever you are dealing with a creative business, that is your creative intellect that you are putting yourself out there, whether you're an artist, whether you're a fashion designer, interior designer, there's another layer of vulnerability involved because you're like, oh my gosh, I really hope people like what I do or I'm screwed, you know? And so Mm -hmm. you have that layer of like, Self doubt and like, you know, bump, you know, bumping yourself up for that. And like, yeah, I can do this. I got this. But then there's like the business side of it that you're like, wait, what? Profit and loss, balance sheets. Oh my gosh, I hate spreadsheets. I can't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's exactly like you said, you have to like get out of your own way. And for me personally, um, it, it became fun once I was in such a low place that I didn't have any other option it actually became fun. And now I look forward to doing business and finances, which is crazy. And don't get me wrong. I'm still not the best at it. I still, I have a great team now that I consult with and they help me with because I've realized that in order for me to be successful, I can't do it all. I just can't. And mm-hmm. that was one of my biggest learning blocks. And you know, Sarah Blakely, the creator and founder of Spanx, um, I was watching her masterclass not too long ago and i this always sticks with me and i and i hope i carry it with me throughout the rest of my life and she says the best thing you can do for your business is to quickly identify your weaknesses hire them and watch them soar and to me mm-hmm. i think that is like one of the best advices to give to business entrepreneurs so it's like stop beating yourself up if you're not good at it like find someone who is because you're killing yourself and putting so much energy and that's what finance was for me and like those things. I know I have like a great CPA that's like deals directly with interior design stuff. I have an amazing bookkeeper and I have a mentor that I go to and I speak to about, you know, different margins and things like that. And it's really given me the power to squash that imposter syndrome because I never felt imposter syndrome as a designer, but as a business owner, yes. As an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. yes. As a female CEO, absolutely. And so having the people in my wheelhouse now that I can call and be like, Oh my gosh, we're getting audited. What does this mean? What do I do? And I'm like, great XYZ. This is what we're going to do. I'm like, okay, that wasn't so bad. But if that, if I, cause I'm actually getting audited right now. And if this audit would have happened five years ago, I would have been like, someone had to tranquilize me. I, wouldn't, I would not be okay. <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: well, you know, I feel like so many business owners like are afraid to delegate, you know, they feel like they have to wear all the hats. I don't really know where that mentality comes from. But like, you know, I think a lot of people think I can't afford somebody to do X, Y, and Z. I can't afford somebody in charge of finances. So I have to do it all myself. And it's almost like you can't afford not. To do it, because I completely agree. right now. You are pouring half of your energy, like half of yourself, into this when you could be generating a lot more revenue doing what you are best at, and then hiring somebody to take care of that. In the long run, in the end game, that's going to be the more responsible decision
0: because you can't wear every hat, right? Yeah, Madison, I couldn't agree with you more, and not only like just to take it a step further what you said about mm-hmm. you know spending your energy and stuff but think about all the excess energy you spend like w- talking to that imposter syndrome you know what i mean think mm-hmm. about all that excess energy and negative energy that you spend in worrying and how much mm-hmm. time you could put back into your business and even if it is not into your business maybe that time could go to a walk on the beach with your man who knows but like my point is like that negative energy and negative, like doubt, it, it can be just it can be gone. And you could turn it into so much more, you know, and, and exactly you said, like, it's really hard for us as business owners to be able to delegate and do those things. And this is something that like, is very new for me, because I, I am exactly like you just described. And I just hired a director of operations, because it just got to the point where I was like, I can't, I, I'm a visionary. And I think that is a big mm-hmm. thing that people have to identify is like, what, who are you in your business? And like, who do you need to support you to make this be even more amazing? You know, and my, my business life coach, she was just like, you know, because I exactly what you said. I'm like, man, hiring a director of operations, that's expensive. I'm giving myself a little pay cut, but I know it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're paying for your freedom of your mind by doing this. And mm-hmm. it's going to allow more to come in that is going to go threefold for your business and financially and everything. Mm -hmm.
1: And I feel like a lot of people like have the mentality, like the hustle is the only thing that's going to get, you know, you to where you need to be. It's the only thing that's going to lead you to being successful. And like, it's the only thing that's productive is you have to be busy and hustle all the time. You have to do all the things. And yes, that is a huge component to building any business to becoming successful. I'm sure you can agree with that. But like rest is productive taking care of yourself is productive. Spending time with the people in your life that love you is productive. And if you are constantly pouring into every single cup, then you don't have the energy to pour into the other areas of your life, right? So you have to find people, you know, if you're, if you're in a place to do that, if you're in a place to delegate, if you're in a place where you can reasonably Afford to hire somebody to take care of different things. You just have to do it. You just have to pull the trigger and do it. It's, I'm sure,
0: it's so liberating. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's funny. That's an interesting topic that some of my business friends and I have been talking about recently is, you know, exactly what you said is like the hustle of things. And I feel like we're in this interesting time where there's this, for me, anyways, what I'm seeing is that there is a time happening where it's like, you know, prior to a couple of years ago, like it was like hustle, hustle, hustle. You've got this hustle, hustle, mm-hmm. hustle. And now it's more like, Oh, Hey girl, you don't have to hustle anymore. Actually, you should have all this free time and you need boundaries. You need this. And so for me being the hustler, I'm like feeling guilty. I'm like, Oh wait, but I, I actually like doing business things on Sunday. And like younger mm-hmm. people that are coming out, I, I hate to stereotype in terms of like, you know, uh, age or anything like that. But, it, but it is like a new wave of business ownership, you know? And it's like, Oh, don't hustle so hard your rest and self-care. I agree with that. And then, but now it's like, I feel bad for, I'm like, Oh, maybe I hustled too hard. And it's weird because it's like this in between, I'm like, we got to find an in between where it's like, yeah, you got to hustle. Cause you got to make it, but you, you also can't just be like sitting by the pool with your laptop either. You know, like it, it's a weird time yeah. for business ownership, in my opinion.
1: It definitely is. And OK, I'm about to show my age right now because I'm going to bring up TikTok. OK, uh-huh. um, yeah. <laughs> but there, there is a sound on on TikTok. Um, and for our listeners who don't know what a sound is, it's just like, I guess, a theme that you can put over any video. Mm-hmm. And it says, um, I can't give any details, but I think I may have girl bossed a bit too close to the sun. Um, and that's it. And like, it's honestly, I feel like really relatable for a lot of people because like, I mean, the whole concept of the girl boss is great. I think it's fading out because it was a very unhealthy way to live. Like you said, like, it was like a generation of, oh, the hustle is all you have to do all the time. And now we're approaching a generation where it's like, it's about balance. And then there's kind of that mix of there's no such thing as balance. Right. Like balance is subjective to where you are in your life. If if you have young children and you're running a business, that balance is going to look much different than if you are, you know, a, a single woman doing the same thing. Absolutely. You know, balance is very subjective. So, so I don't know. I... It, the whole thing about like, I mean, if you want to do business on Sundays, do business on Sundays. If that's something that makes you happy, do it. It's just remembering to pour into the other areas of your life too. And just not neglecting
0: that. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And like exactly to what you said, um, I I don't know how old you are. I'm 35 and I started my business when I was 25 and you know, Mm -hmm. that was like 10 years ago. And Instagram was super new. Like it, Mm -hmm. it really wasn't even a thing yet. I was like, kind of like, you know figuring instagram out and so it was just like a different time and i really dove in hard to the hustle boss lady life like i was like oh yep i'm here i'm in it guys let's go and mm-hmm. unfortunately my my first marriage did suffer from that i i looking back in hindsight now i absolutely can see that i see where i went wrong in certain areas i mean obviously there's other reasons why the marriage failed but that definitely played a big factor um, however, now fast forward, and it's interesting because, you know, I hustled for 10 years and stuff. Um, and now I'm like, got this great business. And I'm able to rest and I'm in a really amazing mm-hmm. relationship and we can travel and do things and I have a great team. And so it's almost like, you know how they say, like some people have kids young or some people have them older and it's like, you kind of choose your freedom. Like, is it going to be later whenever they're gone and go to college and you're in your forties or whatever, cause you had them really young or do you have your freedom in your twenties and thirties and you have them in your forties and you know what I mean? So it's like this interesting mm-hmm. thing of kind of figuring out your age balance. Cause I, I think that's a big part of it too. And just like your life flow and, and not letting other people and their, the social media platforms tell you what balance is.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. And You know, I I think I want to clarify to our listeners right now. This conversation is not saying that you don't have to work hard because you have to work hard. If you want to achieve anything in this life, if you want to have a successful business, if you want to have you know healthy relationships, you have to work at them. Like you said, Lisa, like it's not just about sitting on the beach all the time. Yeah, you know that's part of life. Everybody needs a break every once in a while, but like you do have to work hard. I think what we're talking more about right now is like the concept that like, it never, it never stops. The grind never stops. The grind never stops. It's like, sometimes the grind has to stop or else the car is going to run out
0: of gas. Right. And to be Um, totally honest, my car ran out of gas this summer. Like my personal car ran out of gas and I was tired, you know, COVID and all these things. And like, because of like the financial struggles that I did have, and I just got to this point where I was realizing like I was living in such like a scarcity mindset and like a survival mindset. And so then when COVID came and like so many things were taken away from us, I was like, "Whoa. So wait, what do I do? My schedule's not packed. I, I didn't even know how to prioritize. Like I'm like, wait, when do I normally fold my laundry because I'm like usually hopping on a plane, going <laughs> here, doing this, going to a meeting, go to networking, go to a spin class, do all these things. And then when COVID happened, it was like, oh, huh? Wait, I'm a, am a individual. <laughs> what, what do I do?
1: <laughs> no, I mean I I definitely agree with that. I think that sometimes we forget we're a person, mm-hmm. not a job. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, we like we're we're a we're a full person, like, and we have to treat ourselves like a person. Uh huh. Absolutely. Um, but no. Okay, so so. I, I love that you said like you've recognized a few times where you realize like the cars run out of gas and you, you have to refuel because like if when you're running well, your business can run well. When you start to run out of fuel, that's going to reflect in your business as well. But something else I want to talk to you about today, Lisa, is because you are a creative and I feel like a lot of creative people and a lot of creative industries struggle with this is asking for what you deserve Mm -hmm. in compensation. I feel like a lot of people come at creatives with what they think they are worth or what they think their work is worth or what they think they would charge if they were doing it when they have no idea. And it's always met with, well, that's too expensive. you know. So a lot of these people who are really talented, who work their tails off, who are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs in their own right, end up charging way less than they're worth because of what other, you know, clients are telling them to do? Is it something you ever faced? And how did you become confident enough in your work to say, actually, this is what I'm worth. And if you're not willing to pay it, that's okay. That's okay. But I'm not negotiating
0: this with you. This is a fascinating topic. So yes, you're 100% right. And it's interesting because prior to my South Africa experience, I was definitely the person that you're describing, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. unsure of my worth, I would kind of waffle back and forth on things and be like, Oh man, this sounds like a really cool project, but they don't want to do this. Oh, It would be really good for my portfolio. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it for this much. And knowing good and well, like I was deserving of way more, or it would be something where, you know, I would know that someone, you know, what it was valued at. And then people would you know, kind of, I, I hate to use the word beat you up, but I, I my, I'm not finding the other word right now, but kind of beat you up on your pricing and be like, Oh, well, can you do this? Can You do that. And you're so hungry. You, you do it. And so whenever mm-hmm. I got, I say dirty with my finances and I really dug into my finances, that was the empowering moment for me because I actually realized if I don't honor this price that I'm worth, I actually mm-hmm. can't operate and I can't, Provide this to anyone, then, and I can't do my passion. I can't do any of this. So once I really dove in to the cost of operating my business and the cost of you know everything we were doing um, and the things I was doing wrong, and, and there was things I was doing right too. I, I wasn't a complete mess up, you know. Um, I it almost gave me the energy and the mindset and the confidence. To sit at the table with those people and say, no, this is what we charge. This is what we're worth. And this is what it is. And it was honestly a confidence thing for me. And once I really did that, I'll be truthful with you. I have rarely had anyone combat me about our pricing. And we are definitely on the higher end for our area of pricing. And I hear that quite often. And I'm used to it now. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I I hope you find someone in your budget. Mm -hmm. And it just really gave me the confidence to, to say, not just like, oh, this is what I want to make, but no, this is what we have to make to be viable. And so Mm -hmm. though that backing to me was all I needed, um, to help me get through that, um, and my confidence and stuff. And then the other thing I did too, was I stopped taking, uh, intake discovery calls because I became too emotional about it. And I would be like, Oh man, this sounds like a really fun project. And Oh, this person's mom just died and they're redoing the house and they're going through a lot. And I really want to help them because interior design is so amazing, but they can't afford this, but I can do it for cheaper. And I'll just work on the weekends and get it done when really that's not serving anyone. They're not going to get my best work. Like that's just dumb. It's just dumb. And so, taking that out of there and having one of my team members start doing the discovery calls and have those hard conversations to make sure that they were even in the same hemisphere as us in terms of pricing and structure and stuff like that really helped me too. So if someone Mm -hmm. is struggling with that and maybe that's not their strong suit, my biggest advice is to find an assistant or even like someone that you can, you know, have answer your calls and do that for you because that was huge. That was a huge change.
1: I, I love your take on this because like as hard as it is, like, you know, letting your emotions run your business, like, because like, it's great. It's wonderful to be a sensitive person and give back when you can, but like, it's not going to pay your bills and like, right. like, a business. And the, the end of the day is a business. So give back, you know, giving back is really important, but you can't run your life's work on that structure. Like you, you can't, you, you have to get what you're worth. And I, I think that we probably have a lot of people in creative fields like you listening right now. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, we might have some photographers tuning in, videographers, people in the wedding industry, or maybe some, you know, painters, artists listening where people come to them often and, and tell them that their prices are ridiculous or ask them, you know, they say, we really, really want to hire you. We really love your work. You know, everything that you do is amazing X, Y, and Z. Um, But here's our budget. We know that you typically charge more than that, but we're hoping that you'll accept this price. It's like, no, that's an insult. Yeah, it is. That's an insult
0: to how much I put into this. It is. And you know what? One thing I really had to start telling to myself, because you're absolutely right in what you just said. And one thing I really had to start telling myself was, okay, I didn't get to this level of business or me as an individual person overnight. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately- That means that just like me, 10 years ago, I couldn't afford maybe the type of shoes that I'm buying today or a handbag, but I aspired to it and I set it as a goal. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not in your price market right now and that's okay. But you know what? I want to be a goal for you and I'm going to keep my standards high. I'm going to keep my business high. I'm going to keep my design ethics, my everything high. And I'm not wavering from that. And you know what? Maybe you'll call me in six years when it's not a struggle for you. And that's okay. And it's funny because it literally just happened. I just got a client and we're just doing, um, a off home office for her. It's the most cute home office ever, but crazy enough. I met her at my very first networking event. When I moved back to Tampa Bay from Chicago, I went to a coffee connection kind of thing with a local, uh, working women, of Tampa Bay group. She was there. She was that independent consultant selling jewelry. I was, you know, so young, so hungry. We met, we hit it off. We, um, made friends on social media, never seen her since then, but we've always been friends on social media, always rooted each other's company. She's in the fitness stratosphere and stuff like that. Always just been supporters of each other. And she finally came back like six months ago. She's like, I can finally, I can hire you and I'm ready. And I was just like, wow, like that makes me feel so good that like, 10 years ago, I went to these events. I was like, you know what? I might not have my ideal client here, but they might be one day. And I want it to be that way. And it just really resonated with me that like everyone isn't your client right now, but it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that someday they won't be. And I'm just so glad that like, I I had that mindset when I was 25 and now we're working together 10 years later and we're doing this beautiful home office for her and it's so much fun and she can afford it. She's not stressed out about it. I'm not stressed thinking I'm breaking her bank because she knows my value. She knows what she's paying for. And it's just like now Mm -hmm. a beautiful partnership and we're making this amazing space for her to do her best work in her home office. And I hope that's inspiring for people that like everyone doesn't have to afford you right now, but maybe one day they Mm -hmm. will. You know i i
1: I like that you brought up that story um because it's true. It's almost like I might not have it now, but you know one day I will you serve like as a source of inspiration for a lot of people and through I'm sure through social media through ads, through people who know you who want to hire you so bad but just aren't at that spot in their life right now you know um so a quick a quick anecdote I want to share um if that's okay yeah. so I have a mural in my house now these murals um these antique murals are like paintings, they're framed, they're gorgeous, right? They're super expensive. I am not at a place in my life where I can have that. So you want to know what I did? I got an on-sale wallpaper from Anthropology, and I went and bought two by fours and painted them and did a DIY thing myself. And I think it looks great for what I have, but like every time I look at it, it's just... It's a reminder that I'm, I need to work hard every single day so one day I can get the real thing.
0: Yep. You know? And you know, you're going to be the day, and I'm so excited for you, the day that you actually get one of those really expensive murals and you replace the anthropology one on the wall. I, I hope you're so proud of that anthropology one. You know what I mean? And like then yeah. even more proud of replacing it with the expensive one because... It's just again it's part of our growth and like and that's a part I think I think that's a part kind of going back to like the the hustle and the balance thing it's like it's all growth and it all takes time and if you're just sitting by the pool drinking mimosas working like you're missing a huge part of the dirty part you know what i mean and like mm-hmm. the milestones and again not to say that's wrong but i just you know i think there's so much to be savored in those in between stages when you're building up to the goal, you know?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the in-between stages of life is like where we grow the most. And sometimes those are like, you know, depending on what you're going through, those puberty stages can be really painful. But like once you get to the end of them, you can finally look back and be like, wow, like it's all so worth it, you know? Um, Another thing I want to talk to you about, though, since we're talking about money, since we're talking about, you know, getting compensated for what you deserve, you know, and and asking for what you're worth and not, you know, not allowing people to, to convince you otherwise, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about pay for exposure because I know that's a big issue that a lot of small business owners and a lot of women in business face today Mm -hmm. is people coming to them, especially in the influencer culture, which influencer culture can be fantastic, but they say, if you do this for me, if you give me this product, if you decorate my office like this or this or this, um, I will pay you an exposure. And it's like, exposure doesn't pay my bills. Thank you. But that's not going to work for me. Is that something that you face in your industry? I do.
0: And so it's such an interesting topic. So um, where do I start on this? Um, so I agree with you. Like the influencer stratosphere, all that stuff, it's 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 a great thing. Um, and I do get it, like a lot of times people like, oh, if you tag us in this, if you do that, or if you use this, and we'll do this. But I think a lot of people have to remember exactly what you said. Like exposure doesn't pay your bills. But also when you're agreeing to do those things, you are, you're assigning part of your day to a commitment to something that like might take off or might not, which that's obviously everything in business. Um, but with those things, and it's like, it needs to align with you on a level that like is a no brainer. Um, and for Mm -hmm. me, I personally have not participated in any kind of like the influencer or like, um, Hey, promote this, we'll pay you for this kind of a thing. Um, I just, I, I don't have an answer why I haven't other than it just, that whatever has been presented to me, does it align for me as a person, as a designer, as a business owner and what I believe in? Um, mm-hmm. Because that's the other thing too. Like, I feel like you gotta be genuine in everything you do and people really read right. through that. And I just don't want that. And like, I always want my message to be really amazing interior design. And if I start putting in, cashmere throw blankets from whoever, whatever, they're gonna be like, wait, what? She's selling blankets now. Unless it was like my own blanket collection that I launched. Yeah. like I, That just, that just strays from my message. So I think the biggest thing, because exposure is big, but like exposure is also fleeting. Like you can get some mm-hmm. of the most amazing press. And I, I do, I have great press, but it comes and goes really fast. And so you really have to think about the time and energy you have to spend in it. So if you're doing like a styled photo shoot for exposure on someone's platform, the photography, the time that you're putting into it for like maybe 1,200 likes, who knows, whatever it might be, um, you just have to make the, make sure that your payoff is bigger than your investment of your time and energy. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And you know, like with all things, like fame goes away, fame dies. That exposure to me is kind of like fame. Like it doesn't last forever. It's fleeting. And so like yeah, like it might really take off. Like you said, it's a gamble. It might take off. It might not if you end up being compensated in exposure, but let's say it does. It's not going to last forever. And so the bones of your business, the bones have to be strong enough to stand when it's over. Right. Right, Exactly.
0: And so that's a great point is that whatever your partnership is that you might be working on can't be stronger than your own identity and your own your own vision. And and what I mean is like mm-hmm. not saying like, you know, if it was like some big brand that wanted you to come in and do it, obviously that's honoring and exciting. But what I mean is that like, you can't be in a place where you're still trying to figure out what you're doing and you're like, your message isn't clear because then all of a sudden you're just a mouthpiece for this other brand. So like your roots have to be super saturated and super there. So people are like, Oh, that makes sense. Lisa's working with this betting company because it's so amazing and so beautiful and luxurious and it's approachable, blah, blah, blah. That totally makes sense for Lisa part partner with this. But if I were to be like, you know, this new designer and I partnered with, I don't know, BMW on something, they'd be like, wait, what? Like, what is she doing? You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's just got to align yeah. your a vision and your story has to align in a bigger way. Mm-hmm.
1: Being genuine is so important too. Like if you start selling out in your business, if you start selling out yourself, if you start selling out your personal brand, your company, like your audience, your customers are going to
0: catch on and they're not going to trust you anymore. So fast. They see through it so quickly. I'm probably honestly faster than people maybe subconsciously even realize they're doing it. You know what I mean? Like you can totally tell. And so you just genuine authenticity is the biggest heartline of your message.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so so Lisa, before we cap off, because I know that we're coming to a close, which I'm so sad because I've really enjoyed this conversation, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Financial Fridays. Yeah, I know. Because like, Financial Fridays are something that… <laughs>
0: What I know because I'm like, wait a minute, we've gone on so many tangents. And I know we were supposed to be talking about like finances and stuff. And I'm like, here, we're talking about other things. <laughs> I'm such a talker. No, this, is, this is so much
1: fun. I love it. And I think, you know, this podcast is like success stories. We focus on women of impact and like everything that we're talking about. Like, I, I think that what you're doing is like impacting the lives of a lot of people, like the way that You run your business the way that, you know, you have enough confidence in yourself to demand what you're worth instead of giving in to what other people think that you're worth or like, you know, would prefer that you're worth like that's so inspiring to so many women out there, so many female entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. And so I'm so glad that we touched on all of these topics because like being genuine, demanding your worth, like all of that is essential and running a successful business. So I've loved it, but I do want to talk about um, financial Fridays because I think that that is a great concept, a great idea, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, getting good with running the business side of your business. So can you tell everybody a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So, um, like I said before about like having people in your corner who are really good at things that you can lean on. I can't emphasize enough how important that is. And it's going to give you, I mean, if anyone listening is in the place I was three years ago, three and a half years ago in South Africa, like it sucks. And I'm sorry. And I, I feel you. I, I don't hear you right now, but it is awful. And I can say that like, if you, desire to get out of it, you will and finding people that you can truly talk to be vulnerable with and everything. It's just that is the biggest part. And so for me, I was very lucky. And um, my business attorney is also one of my best friends. And she happens to be also just phenomenal with finances. I I don't know how she has all these amazing skills. I, I kind of want to look into her brain a little bit. <laughs> but um. so I, whenever I was in, you know, financial trouble, I, I went to Vivian and I was just like, Viv, like, I, I'm i lost. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm I am struggling. This can't fail. And she just was like, Lisa, I knew this call was going to come. We're going to get through this. You had to get here on your own she'd been giving me advice that I wasn't listening to, you know, and she was like, come over to my house. We're going to sit at my kitchen table and we're going to have a bottle of whiskey and we're going to get through this. I'm like, I don't even like whiskey, but let me tell you, I drank some whiskey that night. And so, <laughs> um, she basically, so she introduced me to this amazing book called profit first. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Um, and it's this whole system on, how you make money, spend money, allocate your money and paying yourself and having profit because as business owners we think oh well, we shouldn't pay ourselves and that's just the way it is when really that's mm-hmm. again something that like has been conditioned in our mind but why is that? like why why shouldn't we get paid first? like we're the face. we're the reason why it's here And so this entire concept is basically like um, getting your expenses lean, allocating your things and for me being a visual, Having one bank account that everything went into and was paid out of was just constant chaos because i mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't keep up with it. And so again, being a visual person because in my industry, not only are we charging for our time and services because we're a service based industry, but we also sell product and sell furniture and wall covering and drapery, you know all these things. So a client might be paying let's say ten thousand dollars and design fees for our time, but then they might have an invoice for $40,000 for a bedroom of furniture. Cool. So that all went into one bank account. And then I'd be like, "Uh, okay, so I know this costs this much, but how much of this is mine? What goes to payroll? What goes to my lease? All these things. And so the idea is basically, you have um, separate bank accounts for each thing. So for me, I have a main deposit account, which is where my service... Um, fees go into my product and stuff like that. And then I have an operating expenses bank account. I have a cost of goods bank account, which is like when a client buys a sofa, we pay our vendors out of that or like wallpaper and things like that. It's literally just client project goods that are paid for out of that account. And then I have a tax account. I have an, an owner's pay account. So what happens every Friday, my lovely team member who is my director of procurement she puts together a spreadsheet, and again, this is you know having people do the things for you because me building spreadsheets, you don't want to see that. It's not okay. <laughs> and so she puts together a spreadsheet, and it has all of our um, income received for that week, Monday through um, close of business Thursday. Okay, and so she has that all on the spreadsheet, all income received. Then another spreadsheet she compiles is our purchase orders to go out the following week from those sales produced. So I can see, okay, so Kathy so-and-so paid $40,000 for her you know, master bedroom refurnishing. And let's say it's, I don't know, $28,000, $29,000 in actual product that we have to pay out. And then the rest of that is our profit. But it's not just profit you get. You have overhead, you have taxes, you have all these things. So then you're divvying it up. So you come up with these different um, percentages and it's all based on your business. So like for me at the time, when I first started this, my expenses were extremely high. Um, and so for me, I started out my overhead, my operating expenses account was 76% of my bottom line revenue, which a lot of business owners are probably choking hearing that because that's really, really <laughs> high, but that's how much I was not in control of that. And since then I've been able to work and get that down so each Friday I take and I literally visually put X amount of dollars that goes into the cost of goods account. X amount of dollars that the go- 15% goes into my tax account. So my taxes are always sitting there and just ready to be paid and I actually oversaved and you know things like that. So and then it all gets reconciled at the end of the week and then the following week Kristen pays out our you know vendors and their purchase orders payrolls there, all these things. And it really was just like, it's so simplified. But Madison, I can't like put into words how this practice of doing this every Friday and seeing the numbers and seeing like, oh, okay, cool. So I sold this much tile, but my markup on tile isn't as high as it is when I'm doing an upholstery goods. So, mm-hmm. while it might be, let's say, a $75,000 order of tile, I might be only making like $5,000 off of that. But in something else, I could be. So, it really opened my eyes to margins better. It opened my eyes to our time billing, charging for our time because we were like, oh, we spent too much time on this. When we're like, wait a minute, that's what we're here for. They paid us, they want us to do this, you know? And so, mm-hmm. when you really have those things. And that, that actual, for me, it's, I almost call it it's like a sacred act of like moving my money every Friday and figuring out all that. It really completely changed my outlook on finances with business and how I spend money and allocate and operate.
1: I think that there's such like a power in visual visualization. Like when you actually see it in front of you, like divvied up already, uh-huh. like it's, it's there. Like it, it hits you. It makes sense, right? Because, like you said, like it can be exhausting. If you have all your money going into one account, and then that account pays everything, like you get all that money in, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there's so much money in here," right? But then, like, it's all gone. Poof, yeah. it's gone. So when you you have it visualized, like right there every single Friday, it's it's there. You know exactly what you're getting. I feel like that can help you a lot and running the financial side of your business and knowing exactly what you get and exactly where it's going.
0: Absolutely. And it's become super empowering, like truly empowering. It's become fun, quite frankly. Like I never thought I would ever in a million years. (laughs) And you could ask Vivian as my witness. She'd be like, this girl sitting at my table would never say, I love doing spreadsheets and counting money on Fridays, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) i do now (laughs) i mean like and seriously
1: like look at how far you've come like earlier in this call we were talking about how you said like when you were in south africa i'm just not good with money i'm not good with finances i'm not good at the business side of things and now you're like yeah friday like
0: i get to look at money in spreadsheets like it's fun like yes and you know what? also is the amazing thing that comes from it is that like you think prior to doing that like oh i can't afford this or i can't do that but once you really mm-hmm. start paying attention and see where certain money's going or like how you're misallocating things or missing big things, you're all of a sudden like, oh wait, I can't afford it. I've just been ignoring it. And for instance, like I had an insane over a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. And in like two years, I was able to I paid off my student loans this year completely because yeah. I was just like put it to the grindstone. I'm like, all right, I'm putting X percent of my pay that I get. And I'm just shoveling it to this. My goal was to get these student loans out of my life because they were just such a high interest rate and and that's a whole nother story. But mm-hmm. I was able to do that. and I, and prior to that, i I would have a thousand cent percent said to you, "Oh, I'm just gonna have my student loan debt for the rest of my life. It's just a non-negotiable and part of my life." And I'm mm-hmm. so glad I escaped that mindset because i'm I'm financially much more free, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think there are probably a lot of people listening to this who can relate to that student loan debt and who have just accepted like this is just going to be part of my life. It's just what it is. But like, look at the big picture. Get nitty gritty with your numbers. Like, really do your best to dive in, see where you can cut back, and see what you know you can do because it doesn't have to be there for the rest of of time. Right? Like you just said, you were able to pay it off within two years. Like. You don't, you don't have to deal with like the shadow of debt forever. You just have to be comfortable enough to get uncomfortable and really dive into the
0: numbers. Yes. And the best advice I can give to someone, and I actually just helped a a personal friend through this because she was dealing with some financial issues and exactly like what we were just talking about. She's like, I can't afford this that I really need to do. And I'm struggling. And I'm like, okay, come over. We're going to go through this. And the best advice I can give um, people, if if, if you're sitting there right now listening to this and you're thinking, okay, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But you're still not like 100% in it to like really dive in. I encourage you to print out three months, print out, not screenshots, like literally physical paper, print out three months of your bank statements and go Mm -hmm. through and highlight every frivolous spending that you do in three months um, monthly and break it up into like food, dining, clothing, whatever it is, you know, add that up. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, you will be shocked at the amount of money you spend on coffees, dining out happy hours, all these things. And for me, that was my point where I was like, Oh my gosh, like how much did I spend on like happy hours with girlfriends? Like, this is insane. Like, like, what and yeah. to the point where, like, you literally get. Sick. I was like almost vomiting. I was like, I cannot believe this. Like, they what have I done? And my friend who came over, it was literally just a couple weeks ago. I was like, print out your bank statements. This is what we're going to do. And she's like, that sounds crazy. I don't think there's really anywhere to say. But I was like, you think that now? And I thought her advice was going to be exactly like mine, which was like eating out and stuff like that. But to my like funny thing, I was like, wait a minute. Um, hers was online shopping, and she gets got in with like, you know, like the house, like the Klarna, like pay and break it up in four payments or whatever. I was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. What the heck is this? And she had so many things that she was like, you know, sh- online shopping and dopamine from it. And she'd be like, Oh, I'll just break it up into four payments. And at the end of it, she had so many four payments per payments of things. I was like, Holy cow, <laughs> this <laughs> is your throw up point. Like not the food, it's not online shopping. And she literally was like, I'm going to be sick. And I was like, I told you. And she like she walked out and she's like, I'm done. And so that is my biggest advice. If you know you need to make change, but you're not really sure, like you've got to scare yourself into it so hard that you can't ignore it. And that's, to me, the best way to do it. That is one of the best pieces
1: of advice I've ever heard is that you just have to scare yourself into it. Because I totally can relate to your friend, not exactly with the four payments thing, but I know exactly what you're talking about, Uh but where you are just so afraid because you, you know what you're spending your money on, Mm -hmm. you know, exactly what it is, but so afraid to look it in the eyes and accept it and be like, I'm doing this. I did this. And then figure out a way to move forward and away from it. You know, I think a lot of us are guilty of that because I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fact of life that, money is scary. Dealing with money is scary. And a lot of us like to keep our head in the sand and then go to target, go to Ulta, go to the grocery store, whatever your thing is and spend like frivolously. And like, you just, you can't do that.
0: You got to get good with your numbers. Yeah. And honestly, like one thing I do want to say, um, that I think is very important is when you do start this journey, it's not an overnight fix. So, you know, just don't think it's going to happen. It's a solid three to four months of pain and you are going to be discouraged, but you have, and there's going to be times when you're like separating up your bank account. You're like, Oh my God, I feel like I don't even have enough. How do I have money for a profit account? Like I barely paying my bills. Like you have to stay so strong on course, even when you feel like this isn't working, because there is a three to four month period of just getting through the gunk. And then I like once that three, four months hits, and if you really stay on track and you get through it and you do like the profit first system or whatever works for you, you will see a insane upswing and month five, you'll even forget that was your life before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's,
1: I mean, that's such a good point. You just have to get through the gunk. Mm -hmm. Um, Just get through the gunk. (laughs) look it in the eyes, get through it. And when you get to the other side, that short-term pain is going to be so worth the long-term gain. Yeah, Um, Lisa, I have had the best time talking to you today. Honestly, I could go on for hours. I'm not ready to wrap up this conversation, but unfortunately we we do have to, but um, I want to know where everybody can find you. Where can our guests find you
0: outside of this podcast? Absolutely. So I'm very active on Instagram. It's at Lisa Gilmore Design. Um, you can follow along on our projects and, you know, things that we have going on, um, other, you know, podcasts and panels and stuff that I'm on too, because ironically, this has become like a really fun passion of mine too, like outside of interior design. Um, and then of course my website, LisaGilmoredesign.com. and we're in St. Petersburg, Florida, right downtown. So, you know, we're always around if someone wants to have a coffee date, um, but by appointment only. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love that. I love that. I'll have to make my way to St. Petersburg then so we can have a coffee date. And I'll book an appointment, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, great.
0: St. Peter's is lovely. Everyone (laughs) is welcome.
1: (laughs) Well, I've had the best time talking to you, Lisa. Um, I've learned a lot from talking to you today, not just about like, you know, business, but also, you know, asking for what you're worth and knowing you're worth. So thank you so much for coming on here on Success Stories. This has been amazing. Um, Make sure that you check out Lisa on Instagram, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun.
0: This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.